You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Heard there's a lot of friction in that dressing room between some of the you know star players and then the rest of the team it's real clicky my best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid is going with the girl who saw ferris pass out at 31 flavors last night good morning vancouver six o'clock on a thursday happy thursday everybody it is halford it is bruff it is sportsnet 650 we are coming to you live from the kintech studios in beautiful fairview slopes in vancouver Jason, good morning. Good morning. Uh, A-Dog, good morning. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning. And job well done on the intro. Thank you. Really nailed that gossip theme. Yeah, I I got my directive and... Way you went. Yeah. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I said that we are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. This is the part of the show where Jason tells you all the awesome things. About Kintech. I'm going to gossip about them. You are going to spread not I, falsehoods. I love the gossip. You're just going to spit truths. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. What's happening on the program today? You may be asking. Seven o'clock, Joe O'Donnell is going to join us. Who's that? You might be asking. Uh, he is part of the Minnesota Wild broadcast. We'll be talking to him about tonight's opponent, Canucks Wild. Five o'clock from Minnesota. So many questions to be asked on the Minnesota side of things. Three goal, three games so far, 20 goals allowed. Uh, we'll also talk uh, all Vancouver Canucks on the show as well. Frank Saravalli is going to join us at 7.30 and Batch is going to join us at 8. So it's another big hockey show. Uh, as I tell you what's happening on the program today, I also got to let you know uh, that tonight, Jason, is a very special night. Are you aware of this? Yeah, I know. And this is like kind of a holiday for you. There's only been 26 times in the history of mankind that we had a sports equinox. Do you guys all know what a sports equinox is? I know Jason doesn't even like it. Well, they're they're less rare than they used to be because of Thursday night football. <clears throat> Just the twenty sixth time in the history of mankind. Andy, do you know what the sports equinox is? Equinox. Laddie, do you know what the sports equinox is? Y- yes, because you told me before the show. Okay, so it's the day where you get all Big Four playing on the exact same day. Uh, NFL. Saints and Cardinals. That sure is a football game. I actually, I'm kind of curious to see what the Cardinals look like after, because yeah. I'm like interested in their narrative more and more now after watching them against the Seahawks. So let's see what they look like. So there you go. You're emotionally invested, or just kind of invested. I'm just kind of invested in seeing another disaster. I'm selling it too hard. Okay. Uh, Yankees Astros game two goes tonight as well. If you're a fan of the Hoopies, uh, season's two days underway, by the way. We have not talked about it a lot, but you got the Bucks and Sixers, Clippers. Ben Simmons looked good last night. Ooh, he had more <laughs> fouls than all of his counting stats combined, <laughs> I think. That was bad. And then, finally, 12, count them 12, National Hockey League contests tonight, including the Canucks and the Wild. Also, um, Leeds is in action today against Leicester. That's the one I'll be focused on. The is most. there any Europa League action that you need no, to tell us about? All the international, sorry, the European, the continental tournaments uh, have been put aside for the week. It's is all there pickleball? 
There's no pickleball. Then is it really an equinox? Next, you know what? <laughs> Touche, Andy. Touche. That's what's happening on the program today, boys. Let's not waste any more time. I want to talk gossip. Let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? I don't want to talk too long and belabor this because I want to cede the microphone to Jason Bruff. If there's one thing Jason loves in life, it's gossip. I love the gossip. Also his family and everything else. But gossip. Mostly gossip. So we've reached the point in the Canucks season, which I remind you, is four games old. <laughs> four games old. Where we've already run through three of the tradition and time-honored things that happen to a team that's in tailspin. So we already had... The players-only meeting. Right. That's a great one, right? That's where they're like, Mm -hmm. you, Daryl Sutter, get out of here. And then they lock the door with some sort of garbage can, and they have the players-only meeting. In this case, replace Daryl Sutter with Bruce Boudreaux. I don't think they actually locked him out. Then you have the much-publicized healthy scratch. Mm -hmm. It's either like a guy that's struggling or it's a veteran. In this case, it was Connor Garland. Yeah. So there's two, two things down. Yesterday... The hat trick was complete, my friends, because we got the divisions in the room gossip. I love it. Divisions I, in the room. I love the gossip. Um, now, remind me, who did we hear this from, and how did we hear this? Uh, Colby Cohen, who, despite these two idiots' thoughts, is not an extra from the OC. He's a former <laughs> NHL player. Are we sure? Yeah. They're like, who's Colby Cohen? Well, extra from the OC. Yeah, sounds like, like a regular character. Actually. <laughs> yeah, actually, at least a recurring role. Yeah. That's right. He's Seth's nerdy friend. Um, so uh, he was on. Colby, you gotta stop the drinking, man. No, man, just let me do it. I don't have anything to live for. <laughs> I guess we won't be having Colby going on the show. Probably not. Although it was a reach to begin with. <laughs> Anyway. He's a former NHL. I was going to say, I was going to say, we only get current ones. Anyway. Um, Colby Cohen is now following a successful acting and NHL career. Uh, He is now the color guy for the Chicago Blackhawks. He works on their broadcast. He went on Daily Faceoffs podcast with Frank Saravalli yesterday. And Frank and Colby started off the show the way many hockey shows have started off lately. What the hell is going on with the Vancouver Canucks? Frank just went, okay, Colby, dish. Yeah. Give me all it. the deets. Yeah. And then he smoked a cigarette while he was like, ooh, this is so good. He didn't do that. Um, so Colby Cohen, I, I'm not going to connect the dots yet. Let's just listen to the audio and then start, you know, doing the, the scatter plot board on the whiteboard thing, trying to figure out where the conspiracies come from. Regardless, here is Colby Cohen, Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, color analyst on the Daily Faceoff podcast talking about the divisions in the Canucks room. You can be fragile as a team and you start looking around, guys start blaming each other. Um, they obviously have a good goaltender, but you know, I've heard there's a lot of friction in that dressing room between some of the, you know, star players and then the rest of the team. It's real clicky uh, in that dressing room. You know, the way that they're promoting players, particularly on their social media channels. And just everything that I hear coming out of that dressing room, Frank, it seems really dysfunctional at the moment. So, um, where did that come from? Where did it begin? Well, like I didn't have, I didn't have Colby Cohen 
dropping that nugget and sending uh, Canucks Twitter into overdrive. I mean, the obvious candidate is the guy that just got traded to Chicago. You're connecting some dots now, aren't you? Well, I mean, as soon as I as soon as I saw that, I was like, kind of like, what is Jason Dickinson just going around telling everyone all the Canucks like dirty laundry or something? They like didn't that? even have to ask. He's like, "Hi, I'm Jason Dickinson. I'm new here. Do you want to hear stuff about the Canucks?" It's almost like it's like too obvious. Like there's got to be another candidate. That's true. Maybe like, maybe Connor Garland was so upset about being healthy scratched that he's like, "I'm gonna tell a guy in Chicago how upset I am about this, mm-hmm. and then uh, everyone will think it's Jason Dickinson." Right. I mean, he's got the perfect foil there. For, like, <laughs> it's like you ever watch the first 48 and they think they've got the suspect right off the bat because mm. it just seems so obvious. He was like, he was hanging outside the 7-Eleven. It's got to be him. And then they realize it goes deeper. I don't know if that's the case here, but there's, let's put it this way. There's a few candidates that I could say might be the, the source of the leaks. Also, the leak itself is hilarious. Yeah, maybe it's Nate Schmidt. Yeah, who knows, right? Still, still causing trouble. Yeah, he's Braden like, Holtby. Do you guys want to hear some stuff? I don't know. Uh, the interesting thing I thought was what was up with, uh, Colby Cohen talking about the way the team is promoting its players on the social media. Like, what was that? When I heard that, I I thought two things. Number one, what? Like, do players even know what's going on on social media? Like with the team accounts, et cetera, et cetera. I guess they would if they, if they have to do anything special for it. Like, oh, we need you for this or whatever. Um, but the second thought was, wow, that's pretty specific. Like that's specific news. Yes. That isn't that isn't just like, oh, I heard some stuff like about the Canucks. Like it almost gives this report as gossipy as it is some credibility. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let me unpack this with kind of what I know without spilling the tea too much. Not in this situation, but situations in the past that I've heard of. Okay, wait a minute. Let me say this. Dish. Dish. <laughs> It is so good to talk to you. Um, Okay, where to begin? The social media thing, the players don't see it uh, upon execution on social media. They see it when the team's internal marketing team is setting it up. When they pull a player aside or they've got a bunch of cameras focused on one particular guy. So that's where they see it. They're not following along. Like, so who's been getting a lot of the love on the Canucks social media? In this particular instance, I don't know. You could go back and look at all their social media channels over the last two weeks and maybe deduce or infer for yourself. But I know that there have been past instances where... Is it Andy's favorite pra- player, Andre Kuzmenko? That's, now we're dishing. That's, <laughs> now that's we're tearing this team apart. They because speaking of- over high T and there were rumors <laughs> flying left, right, and center about it. Could it be the service dog that was getting a lot of love? Are they jealous of him? Connor, was it you? No, it was that Jason Dickinson. He just got traded. See, so uh, I've been—I have been told in past instances that certain players have risen to, risen to prominence on social media. They've either trended mm-hmm. or they've kind of become meme-ish. And you know how social media works. Uh, not only do you jump on top of those trends right away, you also like just push as much content as possible because you know that the shelf life is very minimal. It's also right? the new players that typically get the most love because they're the Bright, shiny toys, right? Correct. That's another part of this, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, look, here's a new guy that we don't know a lot about. Let's put him on camera. Maybe he'll say something funny. But God, if they're worried about that, if they're worried, here's the thing. Uh, if there's any worry, any concern whatsoever about the players who are being publicized by the team's social media account, and again, this complaint, like normally, you know, you'd be like, if you heard that from your buddy, you'd be like, nah. 
But like that's a pretty specific complaint that you hear mm-hmm. from a guy who was in the NHL that you imagine has some connections that would actually have some legit connections to the Canucks room. So someone is complaining about that, right? Like that's weird well, to me, man. It's not to me. Be here's the thing: uh, pettiness within a group goes on probably more than anyone would like to admit, and. This is the kind of stuff that doesn't get out when you're on a good team, but gets out when you're on a bad team that's struggling. What's going? What's auto playing right now? Something in the studio. Can you guys hear it? Can everybody hear it? Yeah, I can. I can hear that. Is Are the phone? TVs on? I don't know. There's some weird autoplay going on. I think it's done now, though. Okay. Ready? Let's hear. Silence. Yeah. It's good. gone. Oh, your computer again. No, it wasn't mine. I I fixed mine. I punched it in the speaker. It doesn't make noise anymore. Okay, that's how you deal with it. So to reiterate what I was saying there. Um, I think that there's petty divisions in any like you you cannot like I don't think even the, the most cohesive get along best group of friends team doesn't have moments where they're sniping each other like I hate you like we we sure. do it sometimes yeah, yeah, in yeah. here right so to all the guys on my beer league team let me tell you yeah exactly right like there's do like, not care for any of you when there's a sub group chat where you cut certain guys out of the group chat so you can yeah. talk about them and those all exist <laughs> I had eight of them. I know that they exist, right? It's like, well, know, there's ones that don't involve you too. Yeah, right? and I you know don't, that, you don't know about those, but they exist. There's there's like eight different ones that are like we hate Mike, and that's just the headline. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fine. I know that that exists. When you're winning and things are okay, those don't get brought up. When you're losing and everything is spiteful and petty, those things get brought up. The real question here is, does any of this matter? That's the big boiling question, right? Because at first glance, you'd be like, I think it might matter. This mm. doesn't sound good. Yeah, it doesn't sound good at all. I mean, the pettiness of it almost is the point. Yeah, if they're worried about that, you start to wonder what is this room like right now. Mm -hmm. Suffice to say, with everything that's going on around the Canucks, whether you believe this gossip or not, uh, the Canucks could really use a win tonight. Mm -hmm. Really use a win. It's almost unimaginable given the importance uh, the franchise put on the start to the season, that they would return to Rogers Arena after a five-game road trip for their home opener on Saturday against the Buffalo Sabres without a win. That, that to me, like when we talked about what would you be happy with on this road trip, and we said, you know what, two and three might be acceptable because, you know, you got a good team in Edmonton, a good team in Minnesota, you got a back-to-back situation if you can get a win maybe in Philly and Washington – and as long as everyone, as long as you play well, you know, fine. We're not going to nitpick a two and three start, right? Mm-hmm. But the way that they are winless so far, everyone knows blowing multi goal leads. If they lose again tonight in Minnesota, and Minnesota will be the favorite in this game, yes. Even though Minnesota is winless, and we'll talk about the Wild later. Um, if they return home for their home opener against Buffalo on Saturday. I've seen a lot of Canucks receptions, you know, like the the reception the Canucks get from the fans. I actually don't know what kind of reception they would get. Would it be, I mean, I know it would be on edge. Yes. But it is the home opener, so fans are still going to be excited about going to the game, and they're going to be excited that there's another regular season starting, and and I'm sure there will be some kind of extra goodies presented by, like, in the arena. There will be a a beer garden. 
Okay, there's a, there's a beer garden right. outside the arena. There will be a new intro video. Like they usually give a little extra for the home opener, but if the team comes in there without a win, and there's all the stuff surrounding the team, like how quickly does the fan base turn on them within that arena? Now, I think the damage on this road trip for the most part has already been done, but. You can go into the game on Saturday with a little bit of momentum if you have a good effort, and most importantly, just get a win tonight, guys. Like yep. you, you, you know, one three and one isn't great. Oh four and one is so much worse. It is really. I mean, I, I get exactly what you're saying. Like the damage has been done on this trip for sure, without question. But there is an opportunity on the horizon, and it begins at five o'clock tonight in Minnesota to make things. <laughs> Less crappy as you head home. By the way, on the subject of that home opener, uh, Beer Garden outside Rogers Arena, five to six. It's happy hour, Jason. So you, you like a good, ha- you love gossip and you love happy hours. I'm going to Elton John, buddy. I know. But, so that's my Saturday but, night. Oh, you could do this. Pre- you could pregame Elton John mm-hmm. with a happy hour outside the Canucks game. What a combo. Also, how about this? You've mentioned numerous times how much you liked the pregame video and ceremony last year. Mm-hmm. It was really the theatrical release that they did, how well done it was. Mm-hmm. They've announced the name of the new opening video for the Canucks. Power Rising. Power Rising? Power Ooh. Rising. Power Rising. The name alone okay. makes me want to watch. Sounds political. A little bit. Um, a lot of people are texting in and saying Sat Shaw already debunked the social media part of the story, Gary the Atheist, Sat mentioned on Connects Talk that he reached out last night and there's nothing to the social media point. Did 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 we think that the Connects were going to be like, oh yeah, that was pretty accurate. 100% confirmed. <laughs> Tip yeah. a cap to you, Colby Cohen. <laughs> How did he know? Jim, yeah. Rother- Jim Rutherford was like, he got us. Well done. Well played. Well, I don't know who Sat reached out to. So I don't, I don't want to just sit there and say like Sat's report means nothing. No, no. Colby Cohen said one thing. We reiterated that on the yeah. air. Sat said something else. We reiterated that on the air. That's all we mm-hmm. can do. Right, we're not like quote unquote journalists. We don't have quote unquote sources. I'm air quoting everything right yeah. now. But but okay. Uh, I think the larger point here too is that everybody is talking about the Vancouver Canucks right now. Can we just get that across? Like part of the story here isn't what Colby Cohen said. It's that Colby Cohen, who now is a first name last name guy, uh, Colby Cohen was one of the many people talking about this team. Because when you set NHL history. By becoming the first team ever to blow four consecutive multi-goal leads, yeah. you tend to get a lot of attention. Now, it's negative attention, which we don't like. We don't want to draw negative attention to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But regardless, you have to acknowledge that everyone is talking about them. Someone else that was talking about the Vancouver Canucks yesterday was a former Vancouver Canuck, Yannick Hansen. And I know you were listening to this while he was on Sportsnet 650 yesterday, your home of the Vancouver Canucks. He's such a good analyst because he's... Um... He's got the credibility that we obviously don't have because we've never been in an NHL dressing room before. We've never played in the NHL. We've been we've never, in one. We've never accomplished anything in life. Uh, we're failures. Uh, sorry, where was I? Keep going. Just focus. Uh, so he's got that uh, going for him. Um, uh, and, he, and he played for, for a, a recent good Canucks team. So he knows what a good team looks like. Like he he's seen it. He's been part of it. He's been on the inside, and also you can tell Yannick Hansen still watches the Canucks. He still follows sure. the Canucks. Sometimes, let's be honest, you get some of these former athletes that have been out of the game for a few years. You bring them on to tell some old stories, 
and you kind of want to go like, hey, man, do you even watch hockey anymore? Mm-hmm. Right? Because they don't know which players are where, you know, the Canucks, like, they'll they'll kind of rehash the same old, same old stories. Yeah. You're, you're like, oh, okay, I can tell that you're not exactly dialed in. Canucks, tell us some stories yeah. about the old times, Canucks, right? Canucks got to get a little tougher, am I right? That's, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Things like that. You can tell it's a little bit different with Yannick Hansen. So I think everyone um, listens in when Yannick Hansen talks. And he was asked one question that I thought was really interesting. He was asked, what are these players-only meetings like? Because that's something that these former players can tell you about because they've been there. I had no idea what a players-only meeting would look like. Like I don't – There's I, no coaches. It's only players. Thank you. But, like, what – is it a uh, – you know, is it just like – I could see it being – Maybe the captain just makes a speech or something like that, or the leadership group makes a speech. But it sounds like quite often, and I'm not saying that this was the players-only meeting the other night um, for the Canucks, but it sounds like quite often it's a calling guys out session. Like yeah. it's like it's the leaders of the team going like, "Hey, like you specifically, mm-hmm. you got to stop this." And I'm not saying everyone like teams up on one guy and they like sacrifice him or anything like that, but that's, like that's a good meeting. That would be a good meeting. Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. but but here's what Yannick Hansen had to say um I think he was asked how many players meeting players only meetings he was he was a part of during his NHL career. Yeah, reality hits real quick. Uh, normally, you kind of have a okay touchy feel with 500, uh, maybe a game above, a game below, uh, five, six, seven, eight games into the season, kind of get your footing. But but right now, it uh, I sense panic, sheer panic, to be honest. Okay, that wasn't the right clip. You got the right one here. It says uh, it should be uh, just uh, Yannick players meeting or something along those lines. Okay, we'll have to find that later. Uh, he basically said, though, that it's the uh, uh, guys hold each other accountable. Yes. That is interesting, though, that he he senses sheer panic from the Canucks. Yeah, I was like, well, maybe we should let this clip roll. Uh, I, You know, I'm sure that the players meetings that they had back in the day, especially in 2011, uh, were probably significantly different because the the expectations were higher, the standards were different. But at the end of the day, um, all of it kind of comes back to the same thing, right? Accountability, and it's it's a buzzword that gets thrown around a lot. And everyone's like, "You got to be held accountable. You got to be accountable." What does it actually mean, tangibly, on the ice? And if I had to guess, with a little bit of knowledge behind it, it's exactly what you were talking about. This is the time when nobody else is around except the players where you can actually point at a guy and say, you're not holding up your end of the bargain and it's costing us out there, right? No coaches, just players, no media, probably no trainers. It's just the guys in the room saying, this is where you can actually call somebody out. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do it in the media. Yeah. You're not going to go out to your stall and say, oh, you know, number 42 needs to do something better out there. This is an all-honesty hour right Yeah, now. right? And it, But it's also... At the highest levels, the highest levels where you've got elite athletes and elite competitors, you can do that because, one, you know that all the guys in the room have a certain talent level. They're Mm all NHL players, right? They all have the capabilities to do pretty good things night after night on the ice. You also know that there's got to be a standard where, and and it almost comes down to like a sink or swim mentality. It's like, if you can't handle this, 
Maybe we can't bring you along for the ride. Maybe you're not going to be a ride or die. I said it two days in a row. Damn it. Do we have the Yannick Hansen clip now? We do. Here's Yannick Hansen on what a meeting might look like. A coach can only come in and yell so much. Um, at the end, it boils down to the guys in the room, and they're the ones that steps on the ice. Those are the ones that can win the game. And it's that simple. Um, and again, when we were having issues, um, it wasn't one or two people who did this for us. Uh, it might have been the Sedins on the ice um, or, or whoever it might be. Um, but, but in the dressing room, it was a leadership group, whether it was Burke, Hess, uh, Bieksa, Luongo, or, or any of these guys uh, with a bigger voice that would stand up and, and hold guys accountable. Um, that, that's probably one of the most important parts, uh, holding, holding each other accountable to what we know we can do, how we can perform, and how we can play. So I imagine a lot of that, a lot of the time, it's, you know, the, there's, a, there's probably some conflict in these players-only meetings. And things might even get shouty mm-hmm. <laughs> and a little bit, oh, yeah, well, what about you kind of thing. And then hopefully if you have a good leadership group, the meeting ends on a positive note. Like, all right, we've cleared the air here. We've had our family fight mm-hmm. in front of everyone. Now let's come together and figure this out. And tonight would be a great time to figure things out for the Vancouver Canucks. The road trip has not gone well. When they return home to Vancouver, they will not say that was a go- good road trip, even if they get a win tonight in Minnesota. But, again, the thought of this season and the importance of the start of the season, and you've got this five-game road trip, and we've been talking about this five-game road trip for a long time, ever since the schedule came out. Ooh, that'll be interesting, right? Mm-hmm. The thought of them going winless on that road trip before re- returning home for their home opener, I... I didn't even consider that possibility. <laughs> until, I was like, until today. I honestly, no. No, well, I know. I'd I started to about three games into this road trip. I'm like, oh my God, like, what if they don't win a game on this, this road trip? Like, that's going to be a bad scene. You play Buffalo, and I think Carolina is the next team to come visit. Like, that's a good team. Yep. In Carolina, right? And the, the people that are saying, like, oh, they got, they got to, they got to avoid the, a slow start. I'm like, guys, they've already had a slow start. Like the the hole is already a few feet deep that they've started to dig, right? Like it's it's there. There is a hole right now. Yes, they're already in it. It's not super deep. It's not impossible to climb out of. But they have already started digging that hole. Uh, we got another segment coming up on the other side that we can talk a little Canucks on. We'll go into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, 7 o'clock, is it Frank Saravalli? No, 7 o'clock is going to be Joe O'Donnell from the Minnesota Wild broadcast. We'll talk to him about a Minnesota Wild team that has allowed 20 goals in its first three games. 20! And then, of course, 7.30, Frank Saravalli. 8 o'clock, Brendan Batchelor is going to join us. Well, Frank was the guy that was chatting with uh, Cohen, right? So Colby Cohen. Colby Cohen. Yes. I want to call him Andy Cohen. You can. Yeah. That's fine. Seth. Seth Seth Cohen. Seth Cohen. Any Cohen. Sethi. Um, uh, Frank was the guy that was chatting with Colby Cohen. So uh, I'm sure Frank will have some additional gossip <laughs> to throw onto the gossipy radio show. I feel like you're setting him up here. He's Frank, like, you want a dish, to... bud? You want a dish? Uh, oh, I want a dish. And guys, did you see what he was wearing? Yeah, Frank, <laughs> oh, my God. Frank's going to come on and be like, I actually have nothing else to add. But since we're on the gossip tip. You know what else we can do on the other side? Everyone feels pressured to to add to add to the yeah. gossip, right? Well, and right? Every, you know how I said like everybody's talking about this team right now. Mm-hmm. So we had Colby Cohen, 
a.k.a. Seth Cohen, a.k.a. Andy Cohen. We had Yannick Hansen. Jim Rutherford had to speak publicly. He spoke to IMAC and Dollywall yesterday. And Frege. Frege was even talking about the Canucks as well, talking about whether they're already in line to make a change or not. So there are lots of people talking about this beleaguered hockey squadron. We will continue talking about them as well. That's on the other side. Don't go anywhere. It's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. No, you don't need to like each other, but you need to have respect for each other and be able to uh, to get into unison together. Um, again, this is not the first time we're hearing these reports coming out of the dressing room. We've heard it before. Uh, it's troubling. 6.34 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Brav, Sportsnet 6.50. The voice you just heard, that of Yannick Hansen, former Vancouver Canuck on yesterday on Sportsnet 6.50, talking about the current plight of the team. I believe we have that clip available on our social media channel, specifically Twitter, at Sportsnet 6.50 on Twitter. We clip a bunch of the best parts of every show and put them online for your consumption. Are we still doing that with the Halford and Bruff show? Uh, less so without the streaming. Yeah, ever. I've noticed that. So we uh, we have the setup to stream. We're just not doing it yet. But when we do, folks, oh, when do we do? The the, vi- the 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 studio is resplendent. Shield right? your eyes. Get oh, ready. it looks great. I'm excited to start streaming again. I want to be like one of those video game kids. The studio. Streaming away. The studio looks good. The studio looks great. The guy's on camera. Not so much. Uh, that, those guys are Halford and Bruff, by the way. We are brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. So IMAC reached out to uh, Jim Rutherford for an article yesterday, which you can read at sportsnet.ca. And I guess the uh, question was, was like, hey, how do you think things are going? Hey, Jim. <laughs> hey, Jim. How are you doing? Jimbo! First four games, not so good. Uh, he said... Um, Listen, it's 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 obviously frustrating, but the most frustrating thing is that we're giving the game away. Mm-hmm. And here's a direct quote: "We've had too much of giving the game back instead of the opposing team earning it back." Then this was interesting that he added this on. This was the most interesting thing that he said. But I'm not totally surprised at what's happening. Huh? I've talked about this since I came to Vancouver and what I've seen with this team. We have good players here, but how do you become a winning team? It's about playing the game the right way and playing with good habits. I'm not totally surprised at what's happening. I did not expect the president of Hockey Ops to say that. And I think the word habits was used a few times. Yep. Good habits, not bad habits. Right. Yeah, it's important to have good habits. You don't want to practice bad habits. He's like, the guys need to smoke more. Habits is related to details, you know, Mm -hmm. just... Just just go about your business the right way. How many times do you think uh, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin say, like, well, in Pittsburgh, we did it this way. Well, in Pittsburgh, it happened this way. I well, know, in Pittsburgh- I know for a fact that that is a common <laughs> refrain around Vancouver. Well, in Pittsburgh, Sidney Crosby would do it this way or whatever. You know, like, it's, it's, <laughs> I am at, like, I get it. I mean, Pittsburgh won two Stanley Cups while Jim Rutherford was there. If, they hadn't won two Stanley Cups. Jim Rutherford probably wouldn't be here, and Patrick Alvin wouldn't be here. A um, bunch of other guys that came over from Pittsburgh, or at least relations through Pittsburgh. It, it, you know, they're trying to take what was successful in Pittsburgh 
and bring it to Vancouver. Yeah, well, one of the things that I've noticed, because again, you talk about practice habits and you know, uh, you know, learning how to win, and it sounds very nebulous because there's no specifics. It's like, what does these, what do these things mean? What do these platitudes mean? I'll tell you this: in Pittsburgh, one of the things that set the culture was that Sidney Crosby was the guy, and Sidney Crosby was a rink rat. You had to pull mm-hmm. him off the ice. He didn't like off days. He didn't subscribe to the theory that we just needed to get away from hockey for a while. That was not Sidney Crosby. Is it fair to? You know, like well, I was going Canu- to finish that, but though. the Canucks don't have a Sidney Crosby. But the Canucks have adhered to that on a couple of occasions now, where it looked like they were like going to have an off day, or it mm-hmm. didn't look like they were going to practice, and then magically they were out there practicing. I know it happened once in the preseason, and it happened once on that road trip when they had the game against was it Philly, and then they went to Washington, and everyone thought that they get the Sunday off to you know go watch NFL or something. Right. Lo and behold, they're practicing. The question becomes, and you kind of got a, in a roundabout way, you got to it. If it doesn't come from someone in the room or it doesn't come from a particular guy, a leader, a player, can you foist that upon a group? And I think that's a great question. I really do. Because that's what, in part, guys like Boudreaux and Mike Yo and Trent Cole with his mustache and Jason King, that's kind of what they've been tasked to mm-hmm. do, is they've been held responsible for setting a standard, setting the habits, setting the style of play, making sure the team does the right things to win. I liked this text from... I don't love the uh, the name. It's from Girth, our friend Girth. He's a big guy. What's wrong with Girth? I, I just hope it's Garth. It's not. It's Girth. He's, Girth. Got, a, he's Girth. got a real sturdiness to him. Okay. A thickness. So Girth texts in about the players-only meeting that the Canucks had. And his whole point is like, who would have the leg to stand on? Who to, would have the Girth? To to get up and, and, and call the other guys out. It's tough. And right? I mean, I know who. And he continues on. He says, I would imagine not many. Maybe only Petey. Horvat and Miller couldn't say anything because they've been some of the worst players on the ice. Well, especially especially Miller. Horvat was good the other day. Yep. Maybe OEL. What? And he says, well, yeah, he's been good. He said, I'm thinking this was just a bunch of guys acting wine drunk. Man, it's all my fault. I'm sorry, man. I love you. And then other, some other like, no, man, it's my fault. I'm letting you guys down. I'm sorry. And then they all start crying. Yeah, I bet it wasn't like that. You know what? I bet it might have been. I think he might be onto something. I think it might have been like it, was, uh, it wasn't so much a leadership group calling individuals. Like, it's a good point. Like, JT Miller has actually said in the media, like, I'm not going to sit here and call other guys out. I've been the worst player on the team. Sure. So, if, it, you know, is it, I guess it could have been Horvat, but I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that scenario. Like, we don't know. We weren't there. But if we're speculating, I think that was just a really smart text that came in and said, like, who has the cachet right now? Among the Canucks leaders, leaders, I don't even know who the leaders are half the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I know Horvat and Miller. Like, I could I see Petey doing I it. I don't know what Petey's voice is in the room. I could see him doing it. I could see him because he's playing a full 60 right now, as cliche as that sounds. He's probably looking at some of his teammates like, why aren't you guys just, just do this? Play the whole game. Play mm-hmm. the entire game. If we play the whole game, we probably will protect the lead a bit better. God, I wonder what Petey's thinking about his future with this team. I really do. <sighs> And you might say, oh, there's Bruff piling on, creating another story. There's Bruff piling on, creating another story. <laughs> what is Petey thinking about this team? Well, at the very least, this leadership core right now, I mean, he's how 
nobody's leading by example other than him, and it's got to be. I, I, if I was him, I'd be very frustrated. See, the, the, again, the maybe key- it was. I bet Luke Shen spoke up. Yes. <laughs> what have I been saying in your ear for about five minutes? I bet mate? Luke Shen spoke I up. I've been the, saying the, Luke Shen. The, the yeah. key yeah. part yeah. to all of this, Luke though, Shen. while while it's fun to try and identify which guy stood up and yelled at the other guys, it's almost the secondary point to this whole thing. The key point is that this early in the season a season that is unfinished business and a disaster if they don't make the playoffs, four games into it, these levels of frustration, panic, and concern all exist. The players-only meeting could have happened 20 games into the season, could have happened 40 games into the season. Chances are, over the course of 82 games where you got to spend a lot of time in very confined quarters with guys, stuff's going to boil over at some point. What if they're all just dishing about Boudreaux? I don't think that's it. <laughs> no. I feel like that's not it. Not four games into the season. <laughs> What? Maybe they just held a players-only meeting. They're like, maybe the media will just go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they just, they just sat there. And they all played on their phones for like ten minutes. Like, if we if we wait long enough, Patrick Johnston will leave the outside <laughs> of the room. But what? What guys? That? What if we just ran away? Yeah. But what if we? What if we just? We, what if we just quit? We noticed the bathroom, the bathroom window. The bathroom window was open, and the drapes were blowing in the wind. Is that a sign? <laughs> Something like that. Shawshank Redemption. They all they climb out a hole. All right. Big hole dug in the middle of the players' locker room. Okay. So we've talked about everyone that's been talking about the Vancouver Canucks, correct? We talked about Colby Cohen. We talked about Yannick Hansen. Uh, we just didn't play audio, but we got Rutherford's doing the media rounds too. That's what happens when your team is 0-3 and 1 to start. Uh, he talked to Ian McIntyre and Rick Dollywall. And then, of course, Sportsnet's very own Elliot Friedman. Yes, they too. Him and Merrick, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, were talking about the Vancouver Canucks. And they went the route of... Is the club already considering a significant change? Again, I don't want to underscore the panic, both locally and nationally, but a lot of people are looking at this and saying, hmm, that's an untenable situation. Uh, Here's Fridge with more on the current status of things in Vancouver. I think there's two different kinds of wolves that we're talking about here, Jeff. One one pack of wolves is, you know, the people who don't make those decisions but are frustrated with the way it was going. And one pack of wolves is, yeah. is the wolves that actually do make the decisions. And while you do worry about both packs of wolves, you worry about one a little more. And, you know, my sense yeah. is the Canucks are not in any hurry. I, I, I just don't believe their preference is to make a coaching change. I, 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 don't, I don't believe it. I, I think they would really right. like to see if somehow they can find a way to straighten this out. And 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 f- get some momentum. Like, you know, I mean, like I, I like, you know, Rutherford was was there at the board of governors. I think he's, you know, I think he's also been around the team a little bit. Like from from what I'm hearing, and this is secondhand because I didn't speak to him yesterday. But from what I'm hearing, I'm getting the impression he's trying to reassure people that he's not in a rush to make uh, a coaching change. So. Uh, th- that's kind of the, now I could always be wrong. You know, sometimes you get boxed into a corner and you have to do what you, ha- you ha- things you don't want to do, but I just don't get the sense right now that he's in any rush to do that. Um, you know, the, the thing that concerned me last night was you look at that goal by Goudreau um, and you know, it's, it, it's, it's like when I first saw it, I was like, are they playing three on three or, you know, how did he get all the way down the ice without really getting touched? And, you know, the best defensive teams in this league, you, you can't do that against them. I mean, Connor McDavid can do it against anybody, 
but you know a lot of other people yeah. can't and that play was of concern to me when i saw it but again from what i'm hearing right now they they really don't seem too eager to make a coaching change so the reason people are talking about this four games into the season is because Bruce Boudreau did not come back with the strongest vote of confidence. That's just the reality well, the of, other, of what happened. The other reality, of course, is anytime a team is struggling like this, it doesn't matter the market. Like, the coach is going to be on the hot seat. We, we, we do this. No, 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 no. But yes. if Bruce Boudreau had had – come on. If Bruce Boudreau had had a three-year contract extension that he was granted, no one would be talking about firing Bruce Boudreau. That, okay, look, if he'd won the Stanley Cup last year and they got off to a four-game losing streak, no one would be talking about him either. So it doesn't like fit perfectly. But losing teams, this is what happened. And especially the way that they're losing. Because so many people are pointing to what you were talking about. The details. Mm-hmm. The way that they're losing games. Why can't you close out multiple two-goal leads? Like, what, what's going on here, right? And he's also, you, you talk about the vote of confidence or lack thereof. The backstory where it was Jim Rutherford talking about detailed systems play. And yeah. We need to do things better. Like, those are direct shots at the way the team orchestrates and conducts its business. And then the entire coaching staff, except for the head coach, pretty much changed. Right. Like, it's all out there. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's, it, Fridge is doing his job. He's not drumming this up for clicks or because it's out of thin air. Well, he's actually reporting that the Canucks aren't in any hurry to right. make a coaching change. But it's out there. It's, and Rutherford actually told IMAC, he's like, listen, it's a five-game road trip. I'm not going to base anything on a five-game road trip. Um, but the the tough thing for Canucks management is, let's say they are considering a coaching change or something, right? Like, when do you do it? Because you don't want to do it too early and overreact, and that's what Jim Rutherford is has been telling um, – he told Rick that as yep. well, I think. Um, he's like, eh, that's a five-game road trip. Let's let's wait a little bit longer. Well, last year was too late. But there's, there you go. So maybe 10 games, cut, it, cut it down the middle. Don't wait 20, wait 10. Five's too soon. 20's way too long. Well, so yeah. 10 games, if they get 10 losses. And it depends what the move is, right? Yeah. What is the move? Right? Is it uh, is it a, like a – I don't want to say a minor – yeah, I mean like a minor trade. Is it just a trade? To shake up the room, like you know, you know that guy. Did you like him? He's not here anymore. Yeah. We could trade right. Tanner Pearson for Carl Haglin. That kind of thing. That sort of thing. That's right? out there. Like Carl Haglin's hurt though. Right. Is it probably, that probably won't happen. <laughs> he could just redo all the old trades that he made. He could trade for Eric Branson. He did that before. Don't do that. So but. here's the Canucks schedule over the next little while. They play Minnesota tonight, and then they return home for two home games against Buffalo and Carolina. They go to Seattle just for a quick one-off down to play the Kraken, and then they return home for four straight at home. You know, after that stretch of games, if the Canucks haven't turned things around, then they might have to do something. So the schedule, it's important to point this out because they're going to get a nice long string of home games, and going down to Seattle at this stage of the season is actually awesome because the Kraken stink again, and they've lost three straight at home. Buffalo plays tonight in Calgary. So keep an eye on that one because Buffalo's coming off a pretty solid effort against Edmonton the other night. Now, granted, their goalie came up huge. What Eric Comrie had 46 saves, I want to say. That's pretty good. And Allen, that's pretty good. Uh, And then tonight also, you've got Carolina, another future Canucks opponent, in Edmonton. So what does that mean? It means that the Canucks, 
as often, the, when everyone complains about the bad part of being in Vancouver in the schedule, the good part is that you often get teams at the end of their Western road swing, right? Mm. You're going to get Buffalo at the end of it. You're going to get Carolina at the end of it. That's a decided home ice advantage. Going down the road, again, Seattle, not a great team. And then you get more games at home. So, that, like you said, the hole that's been dug is not so deep that it's insurmountable. You can't find your way out of it. It just sucks that you had. this is, again, the way that you started. Mm-hmm. It's not a good vibe. None of it is a good vibe that you're constantly having to scratch and claw to get back to the place that you wanted to be the whole time. The only good thing is, is it's kind of exciting. Like when Shorty was t- talking about on the broadcast in Columbus, like it is a, it's a fourth game of the season in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this feels so important. You know, I'm like, and, and, and he wasn't wrong. It does feel important. Tonight's game is going to feel important. I can't wait till tonight's game starts. Like I, you know, you're watching these games partly because, you know, you, you like hockey and like watching the Canucks, but also let's face it, sports is a soap opera, right? I mean, I know not everyone likes that part of it, but a lot of people do. A lot of people love this gossip. A lot of people love the storylines that are drawn. So the storyline that was drawn going into this season was that the Canucks need to start really well. <laughs> and the storyline that has actually played out is they've they're setting records for blowing leads. Yeah. Right? Like you you could you couldn't this is this is the magic of sports and and maybe sometimes the cruelty of sports. Like you couldn't write this. You know, this is this is very interesting to watch. What but, would you do if they got a two goal lead again? How would you react? I'd probably put a towel over my head. If I was Bruce Boudreaux, I would pull the fire alarm. Um, I not, still I'm, think I've been I've been talking about that. I still think that coaches should go to that move, pull the fire alarm. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. It's over. We got to go. Um, you I, know, in baseball, sometimes if it starts raining, yeah, uh, they'll just the be like, "Well, this game's in. official, right?" How long if if you if the Canucks were to play two periods tonight against the Wild and they had a two goal lead, and let's say the sprinklers come on, yeah, is that an official game then? Do they uh, get the win? I mean, we, yeah, we we're up to nothing, so. <laughs> By default, we should be the winners. To answer your question, though, and I hate being this guy, but I've regretted not doing this the past four games. If the Canucks went up two nothing, I would run to my phone and put down money. Well, I, we Minnesota. had a texter the other day yeah. that said they did that, and they yeah. made they made a I bit would. of money from it. I would at this point. <laughs> I thought when it happened against Columbus, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it because it's. It, you're just. I didn't think it was going to happen against Columbus. I thought they were going to protect that lead. It's one of the great. I've always had too much faith in the Canucks. <laughs> It's one of the great there goes betting. Jason, it's so one optimistic. The, it's one of the great betting fallacies, though. Remember, we used to talk about this. Is like you just keep. You're like, well, they've done it before, so they're going to just keep doing it again and again and again. Yeah. Eventually, that doesn't pan out. Of course. But, but there's something to be said here. Also, something to be said. You brought up a really interesting point when you said Shorty was talking about how it felt like almost playoff action because the, the stakes were so high in that Columbus game. Part of the reason for that wasn't just the desperation from the Vancouver Canucks. It was that they had an equally desperate opponent in the Columbus Blue Jackets who also had failed to win a game this year. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we're also on home ice where things were getting a little testy. Did you even feel the desperation from Columbus, though? I, I yeah. Didn't, I, really? When they I came didn't. back. Uh, you know when they you know when they rallied from multi-deficits in the third period? I felt like they were trying pretty hard to even it to up. Me, and then it, when they won, it, they were very happy. It didn't seem like they took that game over. And well, I think didn't. that. And they're I think, not very good. And I think that's what Jim Rutherford was alluding to, right? Like, it's not like these teams have, you know, it's the same thing in Washington. Right? The Canucks were so careless with the puck that they're almost just daring the Capitals to come back and score goals. 
It just never felt to me, and maybe it felt differently to other people watching that game. It's kind of a subjective thing, the feel of a game. I was never like, oh, man, like Columbus is going to come back. I'm like, this is a crazy push that they're in right now. The Washington one was more like, holy cow, like why are the Canucks playing with fire like this? Edmonton was different. When Edmonton got that first power play goal and, you know, it was a terrible miss by the referees, it just felt then like, well, the tables turned then. Um, what and if maybe it was that-, that one bad call that started the downfall of the entire season the because the Canucks were playing yeah. great yeah, was, up until that missed call. It was the Alex Edler broken stick. Yeah, and just after, the every game after that was just bad. Well, you know, momentum does exist. Good vibes do exist, and bad vibes exist, right? But the reason I was bringing up that Columbus game, and because the stakes were high for Columbus, is that that is almost the exact same scenario the Canucks are going to face tonight in Minnesota. The similarities between Tuesday night and Thursday night are very, very noteworthy. This is a Minnesota team that is off to a horrendous start to the year. And I'm not, that's not hyperbole. They've been awful. They've given up 20 goals in three games. The last team to do that was the 1989-1990 Detroit Red Wings. That's three decades ago. You also have a team that is desperate not to lay another egg in front of its home crowd. These guys have already been booed by the XL Energy Center faithful. So there are some real similarities between Tuesday night and tonight. I bring this up because we are going to get the Minnesota Wild side of things coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. 7 o'clock hour, Joe O'Connell. He's on the Minnesota Wild broadcast. We will talk about a team that has had lousy goaltending, has been bleeding goals like crazy, and is going into tonight winless in their first three and is looking to get their first win obviously at home in front of the wild faithful that's the story we will set up tonight's game next that's all coming up in the seven o'clock hour of the halford and bruff show on sportsnet 650